We missed you guys last week. Uh, praise God, but we hope you had an opportunity to spend some time with your families. We certainly did, and we enjoyed it. Amen. Went and watched uh, the UCA Lady Bears go and win their Sugar Bears, win their championship. And it was awesome. We got a chance to spend some family time. How you know family's important? Yeah. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and he couldn't believe that we canceled church. And, uh, and I think it's always interesting because people, people like lose their mind that we actually don't have church on a Sunday. And I said to him, I said, how many people in your church you think didn't come when you had it? <laughs> so there's no difference in canceling it for a Sunday and giving people opportunity to be with their families than folk just taking the opportunity. Amen. And so praise God for you all being here today. We are excited to be here. Uh, I want to share with you this message. It's really near and dear to my heart because it has a lot to do with one of the subjects that I love to talk about, and that is how you think. Amen? How many of you know that your life will follow your thinking? Yes. Your, 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 in fact, I say it like this. Your life is really the sum total of your most dominant thoughts. Not just what you think every other day, but I'm talking about the core of who you are, your, the, the way you think, whether you're an optimist, whether you're a pessimist, the way you are constructed, the way your synapses connect together, the way when you see a glass, when you, when you see the glass, do you automatically see it as being half full or do you see it as half empty? Because based on your perception of how each of us see that glass is how our behavior will follow. Mm -hmm. And so and when you begin to, to study the word of God, you find that uh, and you get beyond religion, you get beyond um, denominationalism, you get up beyond man-made covenants and man-made ideas and you strip all that away and you begin to look at the word of God, what you find is that salvation really is the starting point for a new life. It's not the end point. You, you don't get saved and then, and, and, and then that's all you got to do. In fact, once you get saved, the next thing you need to spend your life doing is figuring out how to untangle yourself from all the wrong thinking you've been exposed to in your life. And so this morning, I want to take a few moments and I want us to talk about some strategies for effectively dealing with strongholds. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. No, matter no matter how free, how free. You, may be, you may be, there are areas, there are areas in, your in your life that still, that still need, attention. need attention. Amen now. Amen now. If you're on the perfect train, you come on up here and we'll put some oil on you and pray for you. Because no, none of us are perfect, amen? And, and the Bible says that we always want to be growing. We want to be going from faith to faith. We want to be going from level to level. We want to go uh, in one level of God's glory to the next level of God's glory. And in order to do that, we have to become self-aware. Tell your neighbor, say, our job, our job is to become, become self-aware. Self you know what most people are proficient in? Being aware of somebody else. Most people can tell you everything wrong somebody else is doing. They can tell you why they shouldn't do it. They can tell you how they should have done it. They can tell you what they would do if they was in that situation. But most of the time, most people are absent of any true knowledge of themselves. There's not a lot of self-actualization going on unless you become intentional. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you must be intentional about who you are. 
You must be intentional about who you are because if you are not careful, you will see behavior in someone else. That behavior will disgust you, will irritate you, will become a pet peeve, yet it's the same behavior you display. But you don't realize it because you're focused on somebody else rather than yourself. It is a reason that Jesus began to teach his disciples. He says, before you try to remove a speck out of somebody else's eye, you ought to remove the beam that is in your own eye. And in order to deal with strongholds, you've got to be able to strip away the desire to cause yourself to look at someone else rather than looking at yourself. Because when it comes to sin, when it comes to deficiency, when it comes to things that we don't like about ourselves, it's so much easier to point the finger at someone else and look at what they're doing so then we get a chance to compare what we do and say what I do is not as bad as what you do. But the problem is God is never looking at you comparing you to somebody else. He's only looking at you comparing it to the standard that he has set for you to live by. Tell your neighbor, say a standard. Is a standard. Is a standard. So you don't get to you don't get to lower the standard because somebody else is doing something what you consider to be more egregious than what you're doing. So when we get ready to deal with strongholds today, what you have to be able to do is you almost got to act like you in a room all by yourself. You, you, you can't fade to black. You can't be like, oh, I wish my spouse was here. Oh, my mama need to hear this. Oh, my cousin need to hear this. Oh, if my boss was to hear this. Listen, you need to hear this. So when we begin to deal with this issue of strongholds today, I want to talk about the kind of stronghold that as believers has kept us from living out the potential that God has placed in us. I made a Facebook status the other day, and it was, I meant it so much. And what I said was this. The church always gives the people in the church so many reasons why we don't qualify for what it is that God has made available for us. But when you begin to look at what God says, God only gives us one reason why we do qualify, and that is Jesus. So he says no matter what the church says, no matter what society says about why you don't qualify, if you've accepted Jesus, you qualify. Now, what happens, though, is that you've got to untangle all the faults internally that tell you you don't qualify. And that's really all this Christian battle is all about. Once I tell people all the time, once you get saved, the devil can't touch your salvation. Now, people don't like to hear that because they've been scared. They, they've been literally had the hell scared out of them so many times and saying, if you met, I had a conversation just the other day about water baptism. Look, we ain't got no pool here except for the one that got in the hotel. So if you get born again today and we don't baptize you today and you happen to be driving home and something happens and you die, you don't go to hell because you didn't get in the water. Water don't save you. Jesus saves you. But if you have thought processes that have told you that you got to walk down the aisle, you got to shake the preacher hand, you got to give your life to Christ, you got to confess your sins before man, and then you got to get water baptized, then you got to take communion when they only offer it one Sunday a month, and then you got to do all of these things before you qualify, you will think you always got to jump through hoops to qualify for Jesus. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. There are no hoops, are no hoops to, qualify to qualify once Jesus saves you. There are no hoops. There are no hoops. And, and, and I know that, and, and this is not a contradiction to what we were saying this morning. 
the, the, the reason that sometimes people don't get what it is that Jesus has provided for them has nothing to do with their behavior. It has to do with their thinking. If I can deal with your, if you can imagine a tree, your thinking is the roots to that tree. Okay? Your, 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 your behavior is the trunk. But your actions are the fruit that you get. If you could change the DNA in the root system of a tree, it would produce different fruit. Some of y'all missed that. If, if I can get the word inside of you that it changes your thinking, your behavior would change, your actions would change, and you'd have different fruit. Jesus says, I did not come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. The fulfillment of the law was that you and I would be able to live a life on the earth that is synonymous with the one we're going to live when we get to heaven. But the problem is, is the devil understands that the place he can attack us the most is in our thinking. I want to read a couple of scriptures, and then I want to get into a question. I want to give you the answer to that question, and then I want us to look at another scripture. Let's begin in Romans chapter 13, verse 12 through 14. Romans 13, 12 through 14. You may have a different translation. I don't think I'm going to read out the Amplified, maybe a little out of the King James and a little living, but we'll all end up in the same place. Amen? Praise God. They have it for you this morning. It says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us what? Cast off. Let who? Let who? Us. See, sometimes you're waiting on God to come in and change your thinking. You're going to have to be purposeful about changing how you think. You, listen, I would love to lay hands on you. And we have laid hands on people before. But laying hands on you is an act of faith. There is still work you have to do to change your thinking. There are times that supernatural things happen. I know a man who could not play the piano. He had hands laid on him, and he is one of the most anointed pianists you would ever get to know. That don't happen for everybody. So the ones that don't happen for, you got to put in some work. So when it comes time to thinking, you can't change your thinking unless you get new information. And sometimes what happens is people want to change their thinking, but they're not introducing themselves to new information. I tell people all the time who say, you know, I just don't get nothing out of my church. Why you keep going there? I'm saying that to you. If you come here every week and you don't get nothing out of it, you need to find you a new place to go. Because if you don't, you're not going to transform your thinking or learn anything new. That's the reason when they want people to, put, to progress in classes, they give you 1,000 level classes first. And then you move up and you take 2,000 and 3,000 and 4,000. You go to graduate school, you take 5,000 level courses. The whole idea is it's supposed to be building on something. The problem with some of us is we don't spend enough time intentionally with anything to learn something new. Now, can I just, can I just be honest? Look, you, we can't teach a six-week series about changing your thinking and you make two out of the six and think that's going to have a big impact. Let, therefore, us. Cast off the works of the darkness and let us, what, put on the armor of light. How do you put on the armor of light? The same way you put your clothes on. You be intentional. 
when you want to put your shoe on, there's a process for putting your shoe on. You want to put your pants on, there's a way to put your pants. You want to button your shirt, there's a process. If you don't follow the process of putting on the armor of light, it never gets on. So that means you got to be intentional with reading your word. You've got to be intentional about your prayer time. You got to be intentional about your devotion. You got to be intentional about your worship. You got to be intentional about building your relationship with Christ. If you don't do that, this armor of light never comes on. Then he says, let us walk how? Properly, as in the day. Not in reveling, not in drunkenness, not in lewdness, and lust, and not in strife and envy. One translation here says, not in sensuality. In other words, don't always have, don't always be dictated to by your flesh. If you go, listen, when, when, when my wife and I made the decision that we was going to restructure our marriage, we were going to have a purposeful, happy, happy marriage, we had to learn how not to allow what the other person said to push our buttons. It's not that we didn't keep pushing each other buttons. The response becomes on the other person not to respond. Can I tell you something? The devil ain't never going to stop pushing your buttons. So you might as well learn the appropriate way to respond. Because if you don't, then every time you get to a certain place, he's going to push your button, and you're going to be sitting in church thinking about how you're not going to go back. But guess what? And his desire was to keep you on this trajectory of going forward and backwards, forward and backwards. And the reality is if you look at a lot of people's lives, that's exactly what it looks like. Listen, if there's a, we're talking about strongholds, right? And we're going to define that in a minute. But strongholds is one of those things where if the enemy gets to get one in your life, that he is in essence in control of you. Because if finances is a stronghold for you, then he'll let you just get so far in your finances, then he'll push a button of calamity. And if you're not careful, then you'll respond in such a way, you'll fall back to doing what you used to do. This is a personal testimony. I remember, we were talking about Jeff Seale, was it 99? It was, not, it, was, it was 1999, going into 2000, I think it was. And my wife and I decided that we were no longer going to determine our giving, our tithing, based off of what we had going on in our life. Can I be honest with you? That's what we used to do. One month, we didn't have a lot of bills, we tithed. Kind of like some of y'all. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Sometimes we, we didn't have what we considered to be enough, and we wouldn't tithe. And so we lived in our life of really allowing the devil to dictate to us to do what we knew God had told us to do. That's what a stronghold is. When you allow situation and circumstances to cause you to do what you know God told you not to do. A stronghold can be something as simple as this. My wife talks about it all the time, so she won't mind me saying this. She talks about the fact that sometimes sugar is a stronghold for her. So she has to put things in her life that allows her not to let sugar be a stronghold. So I said, well, how can sugar be a stronghold? Because if God say don't eat it and you eat it, it's a stronghold. See, see, strongholds don't have to be deep. You don't have to be deep for it to be a stronghold. God say don't say nothing. You said something, stronghold. That, that's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is you doing something that you know God told you not to do. And so, you, you know, the, the Lord tell you. And some stuff God ain't got to tell you. Can I help you for a minute? 
You're supposed to be at work at 8 o'clock. You don't need the Lord to tell you you're supposed to be at on time. If you are late, lateness is a stronghold. Ain't nobody going to say nothing. Lateness is a stronghold. It's a character indication. Oh. Because when you pray, you want God to show up right on. Mm-hmm. But you can't get to work on time. You can't return phone calls on time. You can't show up to committees on time. But watch this. Timeliness is not the issue because there are some things you do do on time. Somebody shout priorities. See, when you begin to make something other than what God has said a priority, it becomes a stronghold. He then says in verse 14, uh, can you, can you, he, he says, but put on what? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I like how he said that. He said, put him on. You've got to get dressed in him. You, 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 when, when you think about putting on clothes, you don't think of things like, like necessarily like a glove or a scarf. You know, that's, it's, when, when you think about putting on, it's kind of like a full suit. You think about something that covers you everywhere. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and watch this. Make no provision. That word provision means allowance. He says, you put on the Lord Jesus and don't make an allowance for the flesh. Well, pastor, what's an allowance? Well, pastor, they was talking crazy to me. And in the first day, I didn't say nothing. <laughs> The second day, Pastor, I, 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 I was going to say something. I just started praying. I just started praying in tongues, Pastor. But that third day when they talked to me, I gave them a piece of my mind. Provision. You made a provision for the flesh. Anytime, and Pastor Sean talked about it earlier, the devil, the devil asked for a step, but then if you allow him, he'll take ten. He says, listen, if we're going to have these strongholds broken off our life, and it doesn't matter what the stronghold is, you have to determine that you're not going to make a provision for what feels natural for you to do it. You know, I say this, and I, I say it in jest, but it's kind of true, that if I hadn't gotten saved, and thank God I'm saved, if I hadn't gotten saved, I probably would have been a hedonist. I said, oh, Lord, what's that? Don't worry about it. But just know it's not a good thing. <laughs> because here's the thing. And the reality is most people would be hedonists. Most people would. Why? Because to be a hedonist means that you respond based on how it feels. If it feels good, you do it. If it makes you happy, you do it. And there's a lot of people who live their life that way. It's a lot of church folks who live their life that way. If it feels good to me, then I'm going to do it. And then they get deep. Well, don't judge me. They always wave, too. Don't judge me. You know, they, they, they want to make sure you know that I know what I'm doing is wrong, but it ain't your right to tell me the Lord will work on me when he get ready. The Lord ain't through working on me yet. You just deal with you. They only do that because they know that that area in their life is calling them. Paul described the stronghold like this. He says, when I would to do good, he said, evil is all around me. And that which I would to do, I find myself not doing. And the reality is most of us can be that. We're like, man, I said I wasn't going to do that no more, and I did it again. 
But the problem is if we don't recognize that we didn't just make the choice to do it, it really was an internal struggle between good and evil. And if you learn to put on good, evil can't prevail. And so we have to learn how to do that. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. I didn't read Romans, did I? Did I? Oh, I did. I read on the board. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Now, here's why this is so important. If you can identify your stronghold, you can identify how to get over it. I'm going to give you right now a three-step process for how to deal with any stronghold in your life. You just, you just write this down. This is what the Lord told me. This is how I deal with mine. Number one, when I identify a stronghold in my life, here's what I do. The first thing I ask is, this, who is it who can help me deal with getting over this stronghold? That's hard for a lot of people because people don't want to tell nobody that they have an issue. Here's what you ought to realize. We already know. Did you hear me? You think you're hiding something from us. We know. We just ain't saying nothing because we're trying to be polite. But we already know you got an issue. So number one, I say, okay, who can help me deal with this? Number two, the second question I ask after I ask the question, who can help me deal with this? Number two, what resources am I going to need to deal with this? If I got a food addiction, I'm going to need some, re- I'm going to have to go buy me some Tupperware dishes so I can food prep. If I got a porn addiction, maybe I need to get my internet cut off. Oh, y'all got quiet. Y'all do know Christians struggle with pornography. No, 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 no. They don't make $6 billion off the unsaved. Can I help you? See, and what happens is people, we start talking about stronghold, people go, they don't want to talk about that stronghold, but let's, let's just talk about the other people. No, no, no. There are lots of strongholds in the church. You know the liquor stores make a lot of money from the saints. Come on. So, 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 so here's a stronghold. Is, is drinking wine a stronghold? No. If you got to have wine to go to sleep, that's a stronghold. Is coffee a stronghold? No. But if you cuss everybody out, they say hello to you before you get a cup, that's a stronghold. So you got to be able to identify what these strongholds are. So number two, what resources do I need? And here's the third thing I always ask myself. If I don't do one and two, who am I going to impact? If I don't do one and two, who am I going to impact? If I don't deal with this issue that I have, who could I end up hurting? My wife, my kids, my church, my my professional career, my, my reputation. If I don't deal with this issue, because let me tell you something. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. You can't say it hard to say you cannot, you cannot. Hide, sin hide sin forever. You just can't. You just can't. Whatever is done in the dark will eventually come to the light. You, you just not that good. I know you think you slick. I know you think you was raised by the streets. I know you think you got all this other stuff, but you're not that slick. You just not that slick. Eventually, somebody gonna find out. Eventually, somebody you can find ain't gonna get mad at you. Eventually, somebody gonna reveal what you told them because folks always do it when they get offended. Man, people be committing crimes thinking nobody gonna tell. It be twenty years later, somebody done broke down and told. Everything. <laughs> Snitching is a stronghold. No, no. (laughs) 
You listen, you gotta get to the place where you understand. Listen, I know that I think I'm getting away with this right now, but you gotta know it's gonna come out. You've got to know that eventually it's going to show itself. And, 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 and I'm, not, I'm not saying to you that if there's something in your life that you need to be start, take off today and start running and revealing everything. That's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm not telling you to do that. I want to be clear. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is stop doing it. I'm saying stop doing it and prepare to deal with the repercussions of what you may have done. But listen, don't make it worse by continuing in it. Amen? Listen, Pastor Sean and I were talking, and there was a woman who, who the doctors had told, she, that all they, they said, you got to cut out all the sweets that you eat. She didn't, to the degree that she ended up losing like a part of her foot or her leg, and she went blind. Now listen, I like Jolly Ranchers, but ain't no Jolly Rancher worth your leg. Ain't no cake worth your sight. And, and, if, and, if you, and, and, and we look at that and we go, oh my God, how can somebody do that? But what do you keep doing? What do you keep doing that the Lord has told you not to? And that's why I use that example, because that's extreme to us. But somebody else will look at some of your strongholds and see them as extreme, which is why we don't look at anybody else's strongholds but our own. Amen. All right. Well, you're able to get Hebrews 12. Let me go to it. Hebrews 12. One and three. And then we'll move on a little quicker here. Does this making sense to you? Tell your neighbor, say, I got a deal with my own strongholds. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. It says, Let us lay aside every weight and every what? So there are some things that are not sin, but they are weighty for you. Can I help you? Watching television in and of itself is not a sin. But if the Lord has called you to entrepreneurship and you spend nine of your hours a day watching Maury, Judge Joe Brown, Housewives, whatever you're watching, you are, you are putting a weight on yourself because you're not being productive in the area God has called you to. So the Bible is clear. It says, let us lay aside every sin and every weight. And what do those sins and weights do? He says, they so easily beset us. He says, let us run with patience. That word patience don't mean slow. That word patience means consistency. It says, let us run with consistency the race that has been set before us. Do you understand the devil's job is to cause you not to cross the finish line? See, we think in church the finish line is heaven. Once you get saved, he can't stop that. But he can stop you from, fin from crossing the finish line in every endeavor God has asked you to do. Every endeavor God's asked you to do, he can cause you to forfeit the race. And, and at the end of the day, if he can't stop you from getting to heaven, he can make your life hell here on earth. But you have the power to overcome him. The Bible says this is what overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith overcomes. But so, so if our faith overcomes the world, we got to use our faith to overcome strongholds. Amen? So here's the question I want to pose this morning. Why are there so many believers who, after making a decision to live for God, find themselves struggling to live the very life that God has promised them? It's not, it's not a question you have to 
answer. I want you to think about it, though, because even for me, even for me, it, all of you, we all have some things in our life that God, we know God's called us to, right? But we struggle in doing them consistently. Why is that? Why? And I think if we can get to the root of why that is, that's when you begin to deal with strongholds. You know, we, we started talking last year about people saving 10% of their income. If it's been difficult for you to save 10% of your income, you have to ask yourself, why? Why has it been difficult? And sometimes you don't really want to know the answer, and that's why we don't ask ourselves the question. It could be that I am undisciplined when it comes to saving money. I'm a spender. I, every time I see something new and glittery, I like to buy it. Maybe it's because I, I have an emotional tie to people, and every time I save some money, somebody in my family have a crisis, and I find myself helping them out. Do you realize that if you don't learn to ask yourself those tough questions and to deal with those answers, then, then what's going to happen is the devil's going to keep using the same test over and over and over again. You know how you don't have to take the same test anymore? Pass it. Pass it. And sometimes it's difficult for people. I talk, whenever someone is struggling with how to say no, Pastor Sean always sends them to me. I am proficient <laughs> in the etymology of no. I can say it in several languages. No, yet, uh-uh, ain't had me. Whatever you can understand, net, Russian, no, uh-uh. I'll get Caleb to say it in German if you need to. Listen, at the end of the day, you got to get proficient in being able to say no sometimes. If you can't, then your need and desire to be God for people will become a stronghold in your own personal life. There are so many times, I'm not saying that you say no every time. What I am saying no is you need to ask God. Because there are times that God will tell you no. Why? Because God is trying to teach them something. He's trying to let, he's trying to get them to depend on him. People used to get mad at me when I would say that. I go, listen, I had to learn to depend on God. The first time my wife said to me, listen, I think we ought to tithe no matter what. Do you know what kind of feeling that made go over a type A person? Because literally what she was saying is if we don't have money to pay our light bill, we're going to tithe first. That's what she was saying. I can see right itself. Some of y'all got a stronghold right there, but that's okay. <laughs> but what she was saying is if we don't pass the test, we'll never pass the test. It was in our doing that caused us to see, wait a minute, God really does provide. You really don't know God till you try it. Can I just say that? You really don't know God. You, you can read about God. You can hear about somebody else's testimony. But you need to have your own alabaster box experience. And you don't really know God until you try him, until you test him. So why is it that we have all these promises from God, but yet we don't see it? Here's the answer. In most cases, in my humble opinion, it is because we have allowed the devil to have a foothold in our lives where our thinking is concerned. We've allowed natural thinking to come into our life and to usurp what God has said. God says when you're in need, you sow a seed. The world says when you're in need, you ask somebody for help. When you're in need, you scale back. You don't give. It is counterintuitive to need and to give. But the kingdom of God doesn't work the same way that the kingdom of this world works. 
But our thinking is so logical. We've been brought up. We spent so many years being taught to think a certain way. Do you know you only believe what you believe because somebody told you to believe that way? There's a word they use, tabula rasa. It means blank slate. When you were born, you were a blank slate. That's why racism is taught. It is not a, it's not a genetic DNA. It's not, it's not a chromosome. You don't get a racism chromosome. There's no such thing. Racism and hatred is taught. And if you have to teach it, then you can unteach it. I had this, this, this gentleman who I won't name, who I know, um, you know, I had met him through someone else. Um, and his, he, he had a very different thought process. He just didn't, he just didn't believe that. He, he, he thought that, that, that races should be separated. That's just what he believed. That's what he believed. Until his granddaughter uh -huh, had a baby who was of mixed race. Because he had such a stronghold about it, he didn't, strain, he didn't change his stronghold. He just made a provision for his grandbaby. Do, do you understand how thinking works? So, so here I am, I'm seeing his granddaughter, I'm seeing his granddaughter, I, 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 I'm, I'm seeing her, I'm seeing his interaction with her, I'm seeing how he's loving on her, and, 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 and I just got to be strict, right? I said, you know she's black, right? You, you know she's black. <laughs> I, I just got to be strict, right? And so he said, he said, I know, I know, he said, but she's got, and he said his last name, blood in her. Now, that sounds crazy to us, right? But the reality is we do that with our own strongholds all the time. Wow. Yes. It's, 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 like, it's like the people who go off about homosexuality. I mean, they just go crazy. And then they find their kids is it's homosexual, and then all of a sudden there's a paradigm shift. Well, my kid is okay being gay, but not the rest of y'all. Because people make provisions in order to, to preserve their thinking. Why am I dealing with this? Because if I can get you to see the flaw in your thinking, I can get you to change your thinking. If you change your thinking, you'll change your behavior. If you change your behavior, you'll get different actions. If you get different actions, you'll live a different life. So when we begin to talk about these strongholds, you got to see, and I use extreme examples, because if I use extreme examples, I love how y'all look. Y'all go, y'all go, ugh. And then I say, yeah, but you're doing the same thing. You go, oh. Because a stronghold is just a system of thoughts. Here's, here's one way to define it. Strongholds are thoughts or building blocks to life. That's what a stronghold is. It's, it's, a, it's a pattern of thoughts. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 and 7, for as a man thinketh in his heart, what? So is he. Tell your neighbor, say, you are, you are. what you think. And, and, that's, and that's the truth. It's the truth about everybody in every situation. You are what you think. You, you are how you think. If, 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 if the only reason why some people are savers and some people are spenders is how they think about money. Mm -hmm. Pe can, I, can I help you real quick? People who are natural savers, in all honesty, there's a thread in your life of scarcity. Now, now, nothing wrong with that. You ought to save money. I ain't, I ain't like saying that's wrong. But the reason people save is because they think, what if I need? 
right? So th th there's this idea of scarcity that says I have to save because there may not be enough when I need it, okay? But people who spend, they don't have a scarcity mentality which may sound good until you need. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't judging you. I'm just saying. It sounds like, oh, yes, I have no scarcity mentality. And that's great. But, this, but either one of those out of balance can become a stronghold. Listen, you can't spend every dime you got. And there's some people that are like, well, I can't take it with me. No, but you might need some while you're here. And so you have to be careful in the way that you determine whether it's a stronghold or not is how you feel when God says do something different. Yes. You want to know if you got a stronghold? Listen, I can't tell you years ago when the Lord told Pastor and I that we, we. say we, we. meaning her and I and our family, was not supposed to eat pork anymore. We didn't get signs and walk around and say pork free. I don't know. I mean, we didn't do that. <laughs> We just simply stopped eating pork. So we would go places and people would prepare stuff. We go, oh, we can't eat that. It has pork. Sorry, it doesn't have pork in it. Well, we couldn't eat the pork. Why you don't eat pork? <laughs> and then they, and then they know, you, know, you know what we do. Is your Muslim? Yeah. <laughs> That's the first question. You tell black people you don't eat pork, and their first question is, is your Muslim? No, I just don't eat the hog. <laughs> but people get offended. Now look, we didn't say you couldn't eat it. We said we couldn't. But then people was like, well, well y'all got over at that church telling them folk, that, no, you ain't been to our church. We ain't told nobody they couldn't eat pork. We shared our experience. We shared what the Lord said to us. There were some people who said, you know what? That resonates with me. I don't eat pork no more either. And we had a lot of people at that time who stopped eating pork. But we had some people who did. But then they would eat pork when they was with the rest of us, and they would look at us like, oh, y'all ain't eating pork. I guess I can't order none. We didn't say you couldn't order. <laughs> so you have to ask yourself, if God tells me to stop doing X, what does that feel like? You say you ain't got no stronghold, but what if the Lord told you don't call him no more? You ain't got no stronghold, but what if the Lord said don't return that tweet? That little text. Don't say nothing back. I know they in your DM, but don't respond. How you feel? How you how you feel when how you feel when God when you've been wanting them to respond, and then when they do, God say you don't respond. A stronghold will make you a stronghold say, you know what, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna this one time. Just this one. See, a stronghold will make you justify. But it's a slippery slope once you do it one time. Because the Bible says a little leaven levieth the whole lump. Or a little yeast to make the whole cake rise. So you got to be careful. you got to be able to judge yourself and say, is this a stronghold? And if it's a stronghold, what can I do? Who do I need to help me? Maybe you need an accountability partner. Listen, maybe you don't need an accountability partner on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. All the weekend. Maybe you need an accountability, a weekend accountability party. Maybe you need a partner who, who, who you can text and say, look, man, you know, I got this email and this phone call. I, I, I need you to let me come play Madden with you or something. <laughs> you got to set something up before it happens. Yes. 
If you don't have, God, I wish you would hear me. If you don't have a plan for how you're going to get out of the situation before you get in the situation, you're going to stay in the situation. It, it, it's, it's the reason why people food prep. And I keep talking about it because I'm, I'm watching all these people food prep. I told Bryson I was going to start food prepping, but they got to make those containers a little bigger because my pizza slices don't fit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they think I'm like, yeah, I need one that's kind of, you know, like a dive, a dive in or something. So we working on it, you know, because it's a, it's a market out there. It's a market out there for people who want pizza-sized food prep. <laughs> Listen, you got to recognize where your stronghold is, right? And if you recognize it, then you can deal with it. Let me give you uh, uh, this classic definition. And actually, before I define it, I want us to, to just think about Romans 12 and 2, because Romans 12 and 2 goes perfectly here. Here's what it says. It says, do not be conformed to this world or this age. Do not be fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed or changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideas and its new attitude. So we have to understand that when we start talking about what God wants to do in our life, God's ultimate plan is to conform mankind in both character and power to the image of his son. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to eliminate those strongholds because if we can eliminate those strongholds, then we get to walk in the same power that Jesus walked in. Amen? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal, but they are what? Mighty in God. For what? The pulling down of what? Strongholds. So we have to understand that you don't pull down strongholds in your natural flesh. I know that you're intelligent. I know that you matriculated from good universities and all of those things. But what I need you to understand is that the devil is more crafty than you are flesh to flesh. Okay? Now, he's not more crafty than the Holy Ghost, but he is much more crafty than you in your flesh. So, yes, there are some natural things you have to do, but there are times when you have strongholds in your life. Those strongholds, the Bible says some of these come out only but by prayer and fasting. I know folks don't like to fast. Folks don't like to push their plate back. But pushing your plate back teaches you discipline. Yes. It teaches you to discipline yourself. And if you learn to discipline, listen, when we used to fast quite a bit, there were times that I would be fasting and, and, my, and I would want something so bad, I would tell myself, if you ask, self, if you ask for it again, we won't eat it for a month. We're going to add some days to it. Most people haven't learned to temper their actual flesh. They really just do whatever they, whatever they want to do. They may temper it depending on who they're around, but that's just, that's just a little quick modification. You stay around them long enough, the real them going to show up. Tell your neighbor, say, you can't hide, you can't hide. Who, you really who you really are long term. Long term. Yeah, yeah. Okay, dude. That's, that's the reason why people love each other so much when they date and they get married and they start fighting. Because the reality of it is it's great when you're just dating somebody and, and, and you go to your place and I go to mine. We get mad. We don't talk to each other for a couple hours. I ain't got to see you. You ain't got to see me. I miss you. You miss me. We back together. It's good again. But when I see you over there asleep, How you sleep? And, and, and we mad. You want to sleep. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> See, mad folk know. You know, you be sleep. You, you mad, and they go to sleep, and they get their foot on you. You like, get your foot off me. <laughs> 
See, you have, you, when you're with somebody long term, you find out who they really are. Most of us don't spend enough time with us. Not the real us. We spend a lot of time with the person we think everybody wants us to be. That's why some people are miserable. Truth be told. Because you spend most of your time trying to be something else that folk want you to be rather than just being the real you and then letting those people who appreciate the real you be around you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 That, that, that's why the, you know, people say, well, is your church growing? It is with the people I like. <laughs> it is with the people I like. <laughs> the people I don't like, they don't stay, they don't stay, they don't stay. So, you know, it's just... Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> so let, let's, define, let's define stronghold, okay? When they began to talk in the Old Testament about strongholds, they, were ta- they weren't talking figuratively. They were talking about real strongholds. A real stronghold was typically someplace either in a wilderness setting or it was a cave that was high up in the mountains that didn't allow for easy assault because they could see you coming from all areas. You couldn't, you couldn't come down on them anywhere. And so when the New Testament, they began to talk about this, they began to talk about the life of a believer and what that is like, they started talking about strongholds and how those strongholds in our lives are those areas that the devil builds up in our lives that is hard to assault against. And how many know you're not going to have anything in your life that's hard for, to get to when the devil put it there? And so that's why the Bible says that in your flesh you can't get to those strongholds, but the Holy Spirit can get to them. And so when Paul began to describe uh, a stronghold, here's what he said. He said that strongholds are speculations or lofty things that have been raised up against the knowledge of God. They are speculations. They are lofty ideas or lofty thoughts that have been raised up against the expectations or the knowledge of God. But here's a definition I found in a concordance that I think is so great, and I want to give it to you. It says that a stronghold is defined as, now listen to this, a mindset that has been impenetrated with hopelessness. A mindset that has been penetrated with hopelessness that causes one to accept something as truth. I'm going to read it again. A mindset, because we're not finished with it, a mindset that has been impregnated or penetrated with hopelessness that causes one to accept something as truth that he or she knows is contrary to the will of God. A stronghold is something that gets, if you, if you can imagine a, a woman becoming pregnant, that a seed in your mind is sown, and it gets in there, and, and, and you know that what's in there goes against God, but it's so strong it makes you do it anyway. That's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is one of those things where when you're doing it, you're asking yourself, why am I doing this? You know he don't treat you good. You know he don't treat you right. You know that when you're dating. But why? But, and, and you say, I'm just going to break up. But then you don't. Why? You driving over there talking about, I just got to leave him alone. You should. 
use the fact that you're crying when you're driving over there is indication that you ought to leave them alone. But you don't. Why? Because most of the time you got that soul tie. You got a soul tie or something in your mind says, but if I leave, if I lose him, who going to want me? If he that bad, it shouldn't matter. But the stronghold convinces you that it's better to be in a bad situation than to be in what God may have for you. You, it, that, it impregnates you with hopelessness. My financial situation ain't never going to change. Folk financial situations change every day. All over the world, folk financial situations change every day. What makes, the Bible says in Acts 10, 35, that God is no respecter of persons. And if God is no respecter of persons, if he changed somebody else's financial status, he can change yours. But if you've been impregnated with hopelessness, hopelessness is what drives you. In fact, whatever you get impregnated with in your mind is really what, and when I, I don't use this word and people get freaked out, but it's, it's, it's just the truth. It's what the universe pulls you to. Now, we use the word universe, but, but we know God created everything. So if you start getting these negative thoughts in your mind, the, the fact of the matter is you gravitate toward that negativity. I've said it so many times before. Your mind don't know what's real, only what you tell it. I use this example sometimes and people think it's funny. And I don't mean it to be funny, but it's true. You ever had or known somebody who had a friend who may not should wear certain things, but they wear them and they think they fine in them? And no matter what you tell them, no matter, no matter what anybody say, you can't convince them they ain't fine in that stronghold. They have, been, they have been penetrated in their mind that they look good in that. And it don't matter what everybody else say, because if everybody else try to be honest and just say that's probably not the best thing for your body type, maybe you just get a size bigger. You hate no them. Stronghold. So you have to be careful that you have people around you who can speak into your life. You know, you, you, you got to be careful that, you, that you're not some, one of these people who, who get impregnated with something in your mind and then it becomes your only reality. And, 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 it's, and when we talk about hopelessness, this idea that, you know, once I say it, it can't happen, now it's never going to happen. It's true if you keep saying it's never going to happen. So a stronghold is just one of those issues that we have to constantly be asking ourselves about. So where do strongholds come from? In order to fully understand how to pull down a stronghold, we first must understand where they come from. Strongholds come from these places. Number one, worldly influences. What you see on TV, what you see on the radio, the lyrics that you listen to in songs, the books you read, worldly influences. You know, you grew up Watching a lot, reading a lot of romantic novels and all those kind of things, you really got to find the right kind of guy because most guys don't do what they write in those books because <laughs> that ain't real. <laughs> that ain't real. And if you happen to find you a unicorn, then great. <laughs> if you find Mr. Uni if you find Mr. Unicorn, you better marry him. 
Because the reality, and the same thing for guys. Listen, you can't want your wife to work nine to five, come home, cook you a turkey dinner in high heels and pearls, and then still be ready at night. That is not real. That is television. That is television. It don't happen that way. You want, you want me to do all of this and then be all of that? <laughs> you better hit them keys. <laughs> <laughs> you, but so, 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 so strongholds come from worldly influences. You know, one of the things we have to be so careful about our kids is that we, our kids need to see wealthy people who are doing it the right way. You know, especially young African-American boys, the only way to be rich is not to be a rapper or to shoot a ball or run a ball. There are other ways to be rich. There are other ways to be rich. And we got to teach our young girls that you can be rich without marrying somebody who got money. You can make your own money. So, so, so we got we to gotta change the worldly influence. I heard a guy telling his 10-year-old daughter, she was saying, we were actually out in Virginia, and he was talking to us, he got on our team actually, and he was talking to her, and, and, and he was talking about, um, well, you better try to get into a really good school. Uh, you ain't got to get a degree, but you got to find a rich man to marry. Now, who tells their 10-year-old daughter that? Well, clearly a lot of people. But, but the mindset that she's, she is building is, I got to be on the lookout for money, not for character, not for how he treats me, not for love. I, I got to, does he have money? And the reality of it is, is that she may find that, but it may not last. And now her self-esteem is all caught up into, her, into now. And, and because, because can I show you the story of how that happens? So you keep saying stuff like that. Tell your neighbor, say, words matter. So you tell this 10-year-old girl that money is important. She needs to find somebody that she needs to marry. So number one, what you have now is devalued her ability to be a thinker. You've devalued her ability to go to college, to get an education, to strive and to make it on her own. You have now made her codependent on some guy who she hasn't even met yet because she's only 10. Once you've done that, now she goes to school, she meets this guy, she gets this guy who happens to look like everything daddy been talking about. She marries him, they get the nice house, the nice cars, kids in private school. All of a sudden she finds out that he didn't actually love her because who he really loves is his secretary he's been seeing for the last five years. Oh, but because she's got a stronghold, she doesn't say, hey, I work more than this. I don't have to put up with this. What she says is, I got to keep pretense up. I got to stay here with this man. Even though I know he doesn't love me, I cry when nobody see it. I drown myself in wine. But as long as I keep my house, I keep my car, I keep my kids in private school, everybody think it's okay. All because dumb, dumb daddy told her when she was 10. Worldly influences. Words matter. What you say to your kids matters. What you tell your kids matters. What you tell your daughter matters. What you tell your sons matter. What you do in front of them matters. So they come from worldly influences. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, verse 7 through 8, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. Let them return to the Lord. He will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. He says, literally, in order for us to be on the same path, you got to leave your thoughts and come up to where mine are. Because I have a different way of thinking. My way of thinking is not transformed to this world. It doesn't conform to the thoughts and ideas and customs that, that this world has said are beneficial. So here are some common strongholds that many people face that we talk about 
Oh, we don't talk about that much in the church. Number one, fear can be a stronghold. Apathy can be a stronghold. When you get to the place where you don't care anymore, that's a stronghold. Because when you don't care, you cease to listen to instruction. So apathy can be a stronghold. Uh, greed is a, is, is, is a stronghold. Greed will lead you to do things that, you, that are totally outside of your character. I read a story. It was in the news. Uh, one of our state senators. Now, you're a state senator. You're making $148,000 a year, but you embezzled $38,000. Now, 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 think about that. You're making one forty-eight dollars a year, but you risk your livelihood for $38,000. Now, 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 you tell me that that wasn't a stronghold. It was a stronghold of greed and power. Because let me tell y'all something. If they ever print in the paper that Pastor Strickland has been arrested for embezzlement, it was billions. <laughs> I'll do my time. Because when I get out, I'm talking Bill Gates billions. I ain't going to jail for no hundred thousand, no million dollars. I'm not going to give my, my livelihood for that. I'm not going to do it for billions. But my point is, for $38,000, you risk your livelihood, your reputation of your family, of your career. You, you got a law degree. They're going to snatch that from you. They're going to take that license. And you did that for $38,000. You can't buy the new Hyundai for $38,000. <laughs> And you risk your livelihood. So we got to make sure that we're not doing things that out, out of our strongholds that cause us to jeopardize that. Let me finish up. Let me give you some faith principles for pulling down strongholds. Number one, if you're going to pull down a stronghold, you have to make a choice to bring your thoughts into captivity. You have to make a choice to bring your thoughts into captivity. You cannot dismiss those thoughts you have. Okay? You cannot dismiss those thoughts. If you have thoughts like, don't nobody love me, you, you can't just go, oh, never mind, yes they do. You really need to deal with where that thought came from. No, no, seriously, you need to. And if you don't, and if you don't trust somebody, seek professional help. There's nothing wrong with that. We, we, in the, the church acts like there's something bad if you need help. Everybody needs some help. Amen. Some folks more than others, but everybody needs some help. And if there's an issue that's, that's plaguing you and you can't deal with it, you can pray and ask the Lord to give you wisdom and insight, but you can also seek some professional help. Yeah. Because you know what? So I work, so, so I work in, 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 in these 90-90 these schools. There are schools that are like 90% free and reduced lunch, 90% minority, and 90% of the kids don't pass the state test. They are really, really struggling schools. And they do these workshops for, for the teachers on, on, on how to deal with trauma. Because you wouldn't imagine the kind of trauma that a kindergarten has seen in just a five or six years of life. I'm talking about, but they seen their, their daddy choke their mama. They seen folks in the neighborhood get shot. I mean, they, they've been hungry for weekends with no food at all. It's lots of things they go through, and then we ask them to come to school and learn. And so they do all these trauma trainings. But I said to them, you're doing trauma training with people who come to school to teach these kids who didn't leave and go to the suburbs. It is difficult to get them to understand what that is even about. 
And if you don't get them to understand what that's about, you're talking at them, but you're not really getting them any real help. I said, you, you, you need to get some people who have been through some trauma and who have learned to overcome some trauma and train some teachers who have worked with trauma before. I said, that's how we're going to make a difference. So here's the thing. Sometimes the reason you need to go and talk to a professional is because they work with people who worked through that stuff before. If you come and you talk to me about low self-esteem, I can pray for you, but I really can't help you a whole lot. I've never struggled in that area. I, I just haven't. And so I pray for you, but sometimes I pray, I'm going, I don't know what's wrong with them. Lord, help them. Jesus, what's wrong? They know they're beautiful. They're wonderful. They've been made in the image of God. They just need to see themselves the way you, the way you made them. I know I do, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but if you got somebody who used to have low self-esteem and they've worked through that, man, they get to shun down all over you and praying over you and, you, and that breakthrough comes. <laughs> So you got to say, you know what, I'm going to bring this thought into captivity. I'm not just going to dismiss this thing that keeps coming to my mind. Listen, if you're married and you keep having these thoughts about whether he loves me or whether she loves me or not, talk about it. Because sometimes that may be coming, that might not even be the person itself. That may be coming from something that happened in your childhood. Maybe you felt abandoned. You know, uh, you know I, I, had, I had to learn there were certain things I couldn't say because my wife had experienced certain things in her childhood. There were certain things she couldn't say to me because I had experienced those things in my childhood. But once we talked about those, we understood where the other person was coming from. And so that's what you got to do. You got to be willing to say, okay, if the Lord's telling me to do something and I keep not doing it, you got to ask yourself, why? And don't let it go. Don't, don't, there, thank you, Chris. There is a why to why. Don't say to yourself, I don't know why, but I just do it. No, you don't. You don't just do anything. There is a root to everything you do. And you owe it to yourself to figure out that root. So if you're going to cast down these strongholds, number one, you've got to learn to take your own thoughts into captivity. Amen? Number two, you've got to learn to be obedient when the Lord speaks. Obedience brings us into the stronghold of Christ's likeness. We talk about strongholds, but all strongholds aren't bad. Mm -hmm. Psalms 91 tells us we want to be in the stronghold. Mm -hmm. It tells us that we want to be under the wings of the Almighty. So all strongholds aren't bad. We want to be in a stronghold of Christ's likeness, but that only happens through obedience. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I wish you could really, really understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about obedience in the small things. In the smallest of things, when the Lord said, when you're driving and the Lord says, don't go home that way today. You learn to obey God on something so small that you don't even know. Like, why does it matter which way I go home? Because God said it. Did you get to the place where you are obeying God literally in everything that you're hearing him say? Did you got enough self-control, the fruit of the spirit? You got enough self-control that when you want to say or do something and the Lord says, be quiet, if, if you got to bite your cheek. To not say nothing. You do it. I remember when I was, it, it looked stupid when he first told me to do it, but, you know, obviously I got a smart mouth. So when I first got saved, the Lord would, 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 would practice and tell me not to say stuff, and I would still say it. And one time me and Pastor Sean was arguing, and, and I did it right in front of her. The, the Lord said, put your fist in your mouth. I, I don't <laughs> It looked stupid. <laughs> but he was like, but literally, the Lord knows what to do to you to get you to respond. He was like, put your fist in your mouth. Just don't say nothing. 
And, 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 and the way I know that some of y'all don't listen or talk to guys. <laughs> the way I know that some of y'all, she laughing because she probably remember. <laughs> the way, the reason that some of y'all, the, the way I know some of y'all aren't spending the time to really get to hear God is because you don't ever have God say nothing but nice stuff to you. <laughs> I mean, every time God says something to you, he's like, oh, you're beautiful. Oh, you're wonderful. Sometimes God says you talk too much. Be quiet. And he says strict. When I, I know I've done wrong, he says strict. Stop talking. Okay, Lord. Because he's a father. I don't just talk to my kids and be like, would y'all take out the trash for the third time? As a father, I go, why is the trash not out? Because that's what a father does. And some of us, we want to relegate God to just being this wonderful little spiritual being. But he's a father. And a father's job is to correct. The Bible, in fact, says that if your father loves you, he chastises you and corrects you. And if he doesn't, it's because you're considered a bastard. You're not his child. I know he's my daddy. He chastises me all the time. And I'm, and I'm okay with it because the whole goal of it is to get you to be better. Yeah. It's to get you to be better. Hallelujah. Amen? So we got to learn to be obedient. James 4 and 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. As we continually yield ourselves to Christ, surrendering ourselves by faith to his nature and his words, we literally build an impenetrable stronghold in his presence. The more obedient you become, the harder it is for the devil to assault against you. It's hard for the devil to assault against you because you're obeying God. And the Bible says that when a man's steps are ordered by the Lord, that particular man cannot be deterred. When your steps are ordered by the Lord, when the Lord is saying, step here, step there, step there, because God's already walked out your path. And so if God's all, it's, 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 it's almost like if you were walking blindly with someone you trusted, and they told you to take three steps to the front and then, and then turn right and take four more steps. If you can't see, all you got to do is trust them. And over time, if they've been your caregiver and they've been taking care of you, you, you almost just do it without a second thought. That's how our obedience to God has to become. Yeah. We've got to learn to get to the place where God isn't saying something. We're like, well, I don't know, God. Maybe. <laughs> to the place where it's like, you say, go this way, I'm gone. And when that happens, you become almost an impenetrable source for Satan's devices. I want to read this last scripture, Luke 10 and 19. It says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm you. Nothing by any means shall harm you. When we get to the place where we are identifying the strongholds that are in our life, when we are asking ourselves the real question, those questions that I told you in the beginning, number one, who can help me get over this? Who, do I, who can be my accountability partner to help me deal with this? Do I need professional help? Do I need a good friend? Do I have somebody that the Lord told me I can depend on? And then number two, what are the resources I'm going to need? Maybe I just need to read. Listen, if you're struggling with healing, maybe you need to read more scriptures on healing. I tell people all the time, Pastor Sean and I have a list, and if you don't have them, we can make them available to you. There are lists of scriptures by Gloria Copeland. I don't listen to her about politics a whole lot. It's just the truth, but I do listen to her when it comes to healing. Ain't that right? 
Now listen to her when it comes to healing. Because why? She has demonstrated her proficiency where healing is concerned. So when I need healing scriptures, when I need to read through that word, I don't just sit around and go, man, I wish I was healed. I do something. What are my resources? And then number three, I ask myself, what's going to happen if I don't deal with this stronghold? If I, if, 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 I don't, if, if, if I don't deal with this sickness, who is it going to impact? You know, if, if the doctor's telling you you got high blood pressure, the doctor's telling you that you got high cholesterol, if the doctor's telling you that you, got, uh, you, you, pretend, you have a potential for diabetes, and you won't change your diet or exercise, who are you going to leave behind if you die when you're 50? I want to be able to play with my grandkids, not just see them. I don't want to be the granddad in the hub around. I want to be, I want to be like Mr. Young. I want to put my shirt and tie on, and I want to pimp up in church. Amen? I want to be like Mr. Young. Amen? I want to be strong in the Lord. Well, that begins by saying, okay, then I know I got to take care of my body. Because if I don't take care of my body, then I'm not going to be able to do that. And so it's just so important that, that, that when you leave today, ask yourself a series of questions. Are there things that I'm doing that I know I shouldn't be doing. You ain't got to ask when you're around nobody else. Just ask yourself. And listen, don't be one of them overachievers where you'd write down 90 things you ain't doing because then you're just going to feel bad. Say, okay, what, is, what, are, what are two or three things that I can be consistent on for the next 90 days? Now, here's why I say that. Because in order for you to change something, you have to do it a series of times over and over and over and over before it becomes habit. Yes. And you have to practice. And if you fail, you get back up and you start back over. You don't just be like, oh, dang, I'm just going to No, no, no. We used to tell people all the time when we were fast, they'd be like, well, I ate a piece of candy because I forgot. So then I just ate for the rest of the day. <laughs> no, don't just eat the rest of the day. If you messed up, you stop and you go, okay, I'm starting over. And so that's how you got to do these strongholds. But I'm telling you, if you will learn to deal with one or two of your strongholds, you'll see your life change. You'll see your life change. And as you change, our church will change. Because the stronger you become, the stronger we all become. Amen? And so I love it. They sung those songs, we're not going back. We're not. The Bible says that a man should not be like a dog that returns to his vomit. Whatever God has thrown out of our life, we are not going to go back and lap it up again. We're going to leave it just where God threw it away to. First time I ever heard that illustration, it was so gross, but I thought that's exactly what it looks like when God delivers us from something. You ever seen one of them country dogs and they throw up? <laughs> They're like, no, Pastor, we're ready to go to lunch. I share this illustration. I bet you won't want to go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I don't care what you say, I'm eating in just a few minutes. I know. So we just have to make sure that we're dealing with those strongholds in our life. If you got strongholds in your marriage, deal with them. Talk to your partner. Talk to your partner. If there's a stronghold that's, that's, that's causing a bad relationship between you and your children, talk about it. Talk about it. You know, so many times in our culture, we just don't talk about stuff. We talk to other people about the stuff, but we don't ever talk to the people who is impacted by it. You know, I don't need to have a conversation with Sergeant about my boys. I need to talk to them. 
That's where the starting point becomes. Then if you need somebody to help you deal with something, you get somebody else. You ask yourself those three questions. Remember, watch what you put in your eye gate and watch what you put in your ear gate. Because what you put in your ears and what you put in eyes has a profound impact on what's in your heart. And the Bible says that whatsoever is in your heart will come out of your mouth. And whatever comes out of your mouth is what will be reflected in your life. So it's this circular thing. So we deal with strongholds, and we deal with a whole lot of issues in our life. Amen? Yes. Amen. Did y'all learn something today? Yes. Amen. Give the Lord.